0: Okay, so welcome to part two. Last week we discussed a little bit of the union of uh, marrying your bachet. This time I want to jump and delve straight into a very, very important, deep, but very, very big chelek of marriage, preparing for marriage, being married, staying married, and I believe it's a, um, one of the components that I think married people have to work on and constantly have to work on the whole time to renew and refresh their marriage to keep it concrete. So, I think we'll start like this. One of the purposes of the world is to overcome problems. There's no question about it. Mr. Susham says it. We have to overcome insaneness. And the world is full of problems. The whole world is full of problems. The only one place, perhaps, in the world... Huh? Yeah. There's, only, there's only, one place in that, only one place in the world that is, uh, not, does not have problems is the cemetery. And most people don't want to be in the cemetery, so that's a problem. So basically it comes out that we go in our lives and we generally try to go from one problem to another problem. And we try to fix each problem. Now, one of the many things and items that people are missing, perhaps in their lives at large, and for sure in marriage, is commitment, a level of Commitment. You know, we're living in a generation where you know, a person buys headphones and the headphones don't work or they don't you know, perform to so the performance that they're looking for. So you don't go back to the shop and go and get them fixed or whatever it is. You just chuck them out and buy a new one, order a new pair. Now, maybe that's good when it comes to headphones, but when it comes to your job or when it comes to your marriage, that, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So we're living in a generation that we often do that in many situations And what I want to try to do today is focus on one particular point to try and stop that from happening. There's a halacha that when a person goes out to war and he fights another side and he goes out to war, so he encircles the enemy. The halacha is that you're not allowed to circle the enemy from all four sides. What you have to do is you have to allow one side for them to be able to escape. That's how it is. You're encircling the whole The army on the other side, you have to allow one side for them to escape. You cannot totally encompass them from all sides. Why? So some learn that it's an expression of mercy. You let them escape, so, you know, it's an expression of mercy. Others learn, very interesting, it's a strategy of war. Which is, when the enemy knows that they can escape, then they don't fight so hard. If they know that there's a way out, the fight isn't going to be a real fight. They're not going to put up such a heavy fight because they know there's a way out, there's an escape route, there's an exit that they can go to easily. But if he knows he's totally surrounded, he's going to do everything in his power to fight as hard as he can. And therefore, if we're living in a generation that we're living in a society that where people, and I've experienced this from people, I've heard this from many people, before they get married... They're already evaluating and investigating any escape route that they have. That if it doesn't work out and if it gets too difficult, all right, there's an exit door. In emergency, break the glass. It's not a problem. They'll go out. out. we will try it. If it doesn't work, and I, you think it's you think it's funny, I've, I've actually heard this from many people. It's an amazing ashkofa, You're about to get married. The life normally marriage is meant to have been, at least it was in the olden days, a lifetime commitment. But people are not so committed because there's a fire exit. It doesn't work out. So i I'll figure it out. I'll go out, you know. There's such a thing called a get, which is true. There is a way, Allah the Torah did make ways of escaping marriage. That's true. But if you're going into marriage with that in mind, then your marriage automatically isn't going to be a very serious marriage. The famous mice that they bring was of an atheist. And the atheist is falling off a cliff. And as his mum is falling down and down a tree, Appears for him to hold on to from the middle of nowhere and this atheist grabs hold on to the tree and he realizes that there's a limited amount of time that he's going to be able to actually hold on to that tree there's no way he's going to be able to hold on to it for a long time so he calls up to heaven and he says listen I'm an atheist I don't really believe anything's up there but just in case there's something up there please 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 do me a favor and save me and the heavenly voice comes out and says I'll save you And he looks up, he's so excited, he hears the heavenly voice. He said, What do I have to do? Let go of the tree. And he looks around and he says, Is there anyone else out there? And automatically, that's how we are in many situations. If it's not going the way we want it to go, and logically the way we think it should go, okay, we look for another way. And again, while that's good with a pair of headphones, and it's good maybe with a flight, and it's good with a phone, it's not good with your marriage, and it's definitely not good with your wife. So therefore, what we're going to try and work on today, Be'ez Hashem, is one of the fundamentals of marriage. What binds and keeps couples bound for many, many years. And as we always know, the foundations of anything are more important than anything else. When you build a house, if you have a crack in the foundation, you can be rest assured that all future floors are also going to have cracks in them, eventually going to crumble. If you make sure the foundations are good, then you'll be able to build many, many floors upon those foundations. So we have to make sure that the foundations that we're building, which by the way, even though no one here is actually married, but in it is a Hashem you will get married, you're building foundations right now. You're gonna work on this in the now, whether it's working on yourself, which we'll talk about also next time, the gap in respect. But when you're working on it, the like gap yourself or other people perhaps, but also to internalize the message so that when you do get to the stage of marriage, you've already built the foundations which are strong enough to last many, 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 many flaws. What's the goal of marriage? What's the goal of a relationship? So, the Torah spells out the goal of a relationship between man and woman. You're meant to become one. I want to discuss what that means and how to get there. So, there are two main things that govern our body, there are two main things that govern our self, and that is intellect and emotion. We'll discuss next week the difference between men and women and how that applies in a marriage. But again, without getting involved in that, at least to discuss this week, we have intellect and we have emotion. And you need both. You need intellect to live an intellectual life, but intellect by itself is very, very dry. You also need emotional aspect of a relationship, because that adds love, as we're going to discuss Bez Hashem, and is that's the glue of any relationship. And if you think about it, we are governed this brought down in the Sforimax as well, that we're governed by three things, which we'll talk about in a moment. Now the word love, and that's why I'd like to be'ez Hashem dedicate tonight's share to talk a lot about love, and perhaps how it's looked upon in the Torah lens, as opposed to the word romance, which we'll see as well. Love is a verb, and it's also a noun. Anyone that remembers anything from being in school, you've got the noun and they have got the verbs. A love is both a noun and both a verb, and it's very important to utilize both aspects of the word love. Basically this, you need both of them. Because love can be a noun. A noun is a description of an emotion. It's a feeling a person has. It's a feeling of affection. It's a feeling of closeness. It's a feeling of admiration. It's a feeling, it's a description. That's one description of what love is. But love is also a verb. A verb, in order for be to be successful, in order for love to be successful, it has to actively be fueled and used and maintained constantly. Now the Svarim, the Svarim tell us that every human being is governed by three things. We're governed by our thoughts, we're governed by our speech, and we're governed by our actions. And many of the things that we do have to and should encompass all of those three. Thought, action, and speech. Love is no different. Love has to be thought about. It's something that cannot just be expressed, it has to be thought about. And in a marriage, it's a very, very important thing. Again, we'll describe what love is. But before we get there, love has to be... It's not something that naturally happens. Love, even though, you know, people describe, Oh, I love that girl. That, that's wrong. He doesn't love the girl. We'll discuss that later. That means he loves himself. But a person really loves someone, it's something that requires a lot of thought. It doesn't happen automatically. A lot of intellect has to be used for love. Number two... If you just think love in your mind, this is one of the dangers of marriage When people love their wives but never tell them. So in their mind, their wife is the most amazing person. And in their mind, they love their wife. But their wife may never feel that love. And they'll never know that their husband loves them. And that's very dangerous. That's why love also has to be expressed in deeper. It has to be expressed in a real way, full emotion. It has to be something that is told over. And number three, love also has to translate Not just by thinking and not by saying But it has to translate into real giving Which is eventually what a marriage is meant to be all about And we'll discuss the ways of giving that are real And the ways that are giving are really just selfish Giving can also be selfish, it's very interesting We would have thought giving is something which is a wonderful thing to do to other people But it's not true Giving can also be a very, very selfish thing And when it's used in a marriage context It's not very good That's when it comes to that. Now let's talk a little bit about the word love. The word love is a very misused word, right? Especially when we're living in Western society, maybe because of Hollywood, maybe because of who knows what. Whatever it is, the word love is a very misused word. Often it's misused and misquoted and it's used in the following two ways which have no shaykhs to love. Number one, romance. And number two, pleasure. People will often use the word love to express romance... actual pleasure it's interesting by the way in the Loshana Kodesh, there is no word for romance there's a word for love there's no word for romance and we understand that to mean that if there's no real Hebrew Lashon Kodesh word for romance that means it doesn't exist there's a word for love love exists love is very very important if it's used properly it excretes the glue of any marriage There is no marriage that's successful that can last a lifetime without the glue of love if it's used in the right way. Not romance and not pleasure. Now, that doesn't mean romance doesn't exist in a theoretical way and it doesn't mean that pleasure doesn't exist. Of course it does. It could be that sometimes we need to have romance and there needs to be pleasure. But you cannot build a marriage on romance and you cannot build a marriage on pleasure. And if you did, that's dangerous and it's probably not going to last. You cannot have 70 years of marriage in romance. You cannot have 70 years of marriage in pleasure. But you can have 70 years of marriage with love. Therefore, what we have to understand is how do the Torah express love and how do we use love in a way that's real, which is very, very important. Romance and pleasure, both of them, come and go. And it could be sometimes they need to be used to fuel the relationship, sometimes even to kick-start the relationship, to get it going. We need to use romance, we need to use pleasure, that's true. But it doesn't base the relationship on that, and it doesn't stick the relationship for a long term. Which is why what's important is love, avo. That is how the Torah describes, that's how we understand what a real marriage is based on, again, if it's used in the right way. What is love? How does the Torah understand what love is? What love really is, again, not romance and not pleasure, but it's the ongoing feeling of connection. That's the goal of marriage. You're meant to become one body. We'll discuss that in a moment. But it's a constant feeling of connection, of commitment, of concern, of affection, of appreciation. Any of those words put together, that is what love is. And that is the glue of any successful marriage. The glue of any successful marriage, and that can last a lifetime, is love in the right way. And that's, again, the commitment, the connection, the appreciation, the affection, the concern, whatever English word you want to use. But that's what it is. Now, it can be expressed, love can be expressed in different ways, in different situations. Love is a very complicated emotion, and that's what I want to talk about. There are two types of love. There's a selfless love, and there's a selfish love. And it's a very, very important difference. The difference we'll try to explain in different examples, because I think it's important to understand the difference between them. Again, love can be selfless, and love can be selfish. A relationship, when two people come one unit, which is how the Torah describes the relationship between man and woman, which is, they should become one. The Torah uses that as the expression that means, very, very important, nobody loses their individuality. You don't lose your individuality when you get married. does not mean that you lose your own individuality. Rather, you've encompassed somebody else's. Now, love can be very self-centered. When you, when you love somebody, that the you in that sentence can be very much enlarged, can be very much highlighted, because it's about what you love. And therefore, as we'll discuss in a few minutes as well, maybe you only love parts of the person because it's about you. It's your love because it's about you, not about the other person. Respect, which we'll discuss a little bit more about next week, is respect is no shaykh to me, it's about somebody else. When love begins with me, then it's about how I feel, it's not about the other person. And the other person will understand and will pick up that the love that you have for them is totally selfish. And it's about what you want, and it's about what pleasure you can gain, not about what you can give to somebody else. When you say, I love something, the word I is very much in the sentence, I love something, it's about me. we said this last time, we've said this many, many times, that when a person loves something, it's normally because you love something, it's because you love yourself, and therefore yourself loves that item. So when I love that girl, means I, it's about me, what gives me pleasure, that girl gives me pleasure, therefore I love her. It's not because you love her, it's because you love yourself. And again, when maybe when it can be used in, a, in an outside form, it can, it can maybe work, but in a marriage between husband and wife, it's not going to work. When it's about yourself, and again, the word love is being used, but you would be using it in context to yourself. I love her, and it's about me. You know, there's two things. I told this over to a group of very, very, very successful bachelors, older bachelors in Los Angeles. Told them this is said. Right. That there's two things that happens when you get married. One of two things, not both. One of two things. And any of you can choose which one it's going to be. When you get married, you can either expand, your, you can expand myself into somebody else's world. Or, what you can do is, if my world doesn't become bigger, then I just swallow someone else up in my own world. Which means either I can open myself up to allow somebody to come into my world as well, Well no, my world is my world I'll just allow someone to join me Which means basically it's my world And I'm allowing someone to join me Now it depends how you get married It depends what your mindset of marriage is Which one you're going to choose Are you going to expand of yourself And allow someone to join in Or your world is you And you sort of squeeze someone into that That's the difference Selfish love Cannot build marriages or relationships Selfish love destroys relationships True love means you selflessly love somebody else. Means you don't devour the other person. What you do is you expand yourself to allow somebody else in there as well. And that's why love needs constant review. It's not something that you can do once. It's something that every married couple has to constantly review the whole time. To make sure that the love that they have for each other is total love. And I'll give you an example. The Torah gives us an example of not of Avihu, not of Avihu, the sons of Aaron and Akon. They went to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. What was the result? They were killed by Aish by fire. Punishment. What, are they, what was so wrong? They went to the Kodesh HaKadoshim and they wanted to do something right. It says the Orachayim HaKadosh. Amazing thing. The Orachayim says, you know what? they went to the Kodesh HaKadoshim? They had a burning desire to get close to Hashem. A burning desire to get closer to the Rabbanish Lailam. But they did it at the wrong time. They were selfish. They did it when they think it was the right time. And therefore, even though they wanted to get closer to Hashem, their love for Hashem was so great, was so powerful, with so much energy, but it was done in the wrong way, it was done selfishly. And therefore, when it's done selfishly, love might be there, but it's done for yourself. And therefore, that's a very, very dangerous thing. So that's number one. Number two, when you love somebody else, the way to love them we, I think we've said this numerous times not in this setting in other settings Rav Desla of writes how do you get to love someone right love is a word we've talked about it how do you how do you get to the stage of loving someone so Rav Desla famously says from the word Ahava Ahava comes the word Hav Hav means to give when you give you get to love and it's true with Torah and it's true with marriage and it's true with anything when you totally invest in somebody else then the Ahavah, the true love comes out And that is the true glue to any relationship, is the avo, the true Ava That's not about you; it's about somebody else. And there's a third point that I want to make, and that is also very, very dangerous. When someone loves somebody else, but they only love a part of the other person, and you hear this from husbands sometimes. Listen, I like this part of my wife. I like that part of my wife, but that, you know, that, that, that particular, I don't enjoy that. Now, when it comes to ourselves, we all have our shortcomings. We're all about to be out of our days. We have our emotions. We know we have our highs. We have our lows. We have our good points. We have our maybe not so good points. For some reason, when it comes to ourselves, we accept our total self and we love ourselves totally. We manage to excuse all the bad things. Yeah, it's probably okay. It's not my fault. It's this, that and the other. But when it comes to somebody else, it's much, much harder. And you had this. I remember a husband complaining to me one time. He said, how is it that when someone else speaks Lashon Hara, it doesn't bother me. When my wife speaks Lashonara, oh, it bothers me a lot. All of a sudden, because when you're connected to someone, all of a sudden the the differences and maybe the negatives get highlighted a lot more than if it happens to your roommate. That's the Mitzis. Therefore, Vahavta Larecha Kamoycha means you have to love someone like you love yourself. That means you have to accept somebody else and love someone else just like you love yourself. Now, a healthy person accepts themselves And a healthy person understands that we have strengths and we also have weaknesses, but we accept our weaknesses. A healthy person has to learn to accept somebody else's weaknesses also. Your wife, just like yourself, is not perfect. And therefore, just like you're not perfect, then she's going to find out things about you that she never knew, however many times you go out, by the way, makes no difference. She's still going to find out those things about you she never knew. You're going to find out things about her that you never knew. I don't care how much information you do I don't care how many months you go out for Or even years It doesn't make a difference You will always find out things And not every one of those things you're going to like But real, genuine Ava Genuine love Means to love the other person totally For everything that they bring into the marriage For everything they are as a person The moment you select In your wife That I like, that I don't like That's not real love if you want to do a litmus test to see if you really love that person, the way to do it is if you accept that person totally. And again, this is I, I'm telling you this from hearing it from people who, you know, they like this part, that they don't. It's very dangerous. Real love comes from, number one, understanding that it's not selfish. It's selfless. It's not about me. It's about somebody else. Next week, we'll talk about how that translates into respect, which respect is one of the one of the most crucial points of a marriage. Keeps it going even in hard times. But before we get that, the glue that holds the marriage together is love. And love has to be, number one, selfless, not selfish. It can't be about me. It's about somebody else. It has to be a love that translates into giving. And by the way, let me add another point to this. What does giving mean? I'll give you an example. A husband will complain how, you know, they have to go to work the next day, they have to go to curl the next day, whatever it is. And the baby's crying in the middle of the night and they have to get up and they have to give the baby a bottle and it bothers them or they'll come along and say and be all proud of themselves because no, no I let my wife sleep and I got up and I gave the baby a bottle if you think and you feel that that's called giving then you don't love your wife because if you truly love your wife you're not giving to her it's not, I'm not giving to say When you have a roommate, for example, and they want something from you, you give to them. You're a nice guy. You're a bar chassi, So you give it to them. I'm taking something for myself and I'm giving it to you. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy, so I'm giving it to you. If that's the relationship with your wife, that everything you do when you open up the dishwasher, when you have empty the dishwasher, when you stack the dishes in the dishwasher, when you clean the dishes, when you help in the, in the supermarket, when you strap the bags, when you wake up in the middle of the night for the baby, as long as you still feel that I'm giving to her, you don't really love her. Because real love is not because I'm giving to her. We're one. This is, this is all about us together. It's not about me giving to her. I got up in the middle of the night and I... No, no. If you really loved her, you'll do it for yourself. Not, not because you love. Her. Not because I'm giving to her. That's not real love. That's the number second one. And the third one is to love the whole person. To learn to love and accept everything about that person. Even those points that perhaps you don't like or perhaps you don't think are so good. Whatever it may be. But real, genuine love comes from there. From total, total giving to somebody else. A total understanding of somebody else's qualities. And there may be negatives as well. That, Rabbi Isai, is the real glue that totally binds the marriage, the partners together. Man and wife, in that way, can have 70, 80, 90, 100 years of real marriage Not with romance. Romance is wonderful. It can be used every so often. It sometimes needs to be used to kickstart. And it needs to be used in order to fuel the relationship every so often. Fine. Pleasure is the same thing. But real love is the only thing that keeps the marriage together. Be'ez Hashem. Next week we're going to discuss how respect has its part in marriage as well. Okay.